All right, everyone. This is a <laughs> just a a casual, you know, what week after? It's only been a week, right? Since <laughs> how did we play so many matches? Just a casual sort of spin a uh, short amount of time since our um, last episode, but we have about a billion things to discuss, <laughs> and we're gonna try very hard to not talk for three to four hours on this podcast. Um, wow, this is You'll Never Talk Alone. I'm your friend, Joseph Craven, joined by Alex Level. Alex, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, the, the weirdest thing, there's been so much that's happened, but the weirdest thing is, like, last week we had four games left in the season. This week, there's one game left. Like, how yeah. did that happen? How is that healthy? I know we have injuries, but how is everyone still walking at this point? Well, and, like, forget everyone's still walking at this point Every, everyone's playing the best yes. uh, best football they've played all season right now for some reason like it's just unbelievable we just got done talking in the past episode about you know I asked you the kind of off the cuff question of uh, who you thought might be um, underachieving a bit this year <laughs> and like the people we talked about were Bobby who suddenly is great <laughs> I mentioned that, you know, it had not been a great year for Allison. Yeah. <laughs> then he scores, like, the moment of his career. <laughs> so, uh, basically, what in the world do we even know? <laughs> or maybe we were the motivation they needed to, to they put listen. together these performances. They were definitely listening. Oh, man. Okay, so since we last recorded, we both kind of predicted a dull United match that that ended up being anything but, um, um, you know, a great victory for us. But like, I think a third party observer would have watched that match and been highly entertained. Like, oh yeah, both teams put together good runs at different points. It was it was kind of just entertaining in general, um, as entertaining as a match against United can be. Yeah. <laughs> when you're sitting there going, I hate them. I wish none of them were here. I never want to see them again. You know, um, so that happens. Uh, in the meantime of that, uh, obviously, the incredible moment against West Brom, and then just an absolute drubbing of uh, you know a, a weak Burnley squad who was playing. I, I, I want to say they borrowed one of our youth <laughs> academy kids to be their keeper, um, but that happened, and all of a sudden we're looking at this just ridiculous turn of events. So let's talk about the like single seminal most incredible individual moment to have happened in those matches. That, of course, being the stoppage time winner scored by a goalkeeper against West Brom. <laughs> not only that, but a man who's not had his best season uh, performance-wise as a, as a professional, especially since he got to Liverpool, but also has just had an absolute nightmare of a, of a you know, last several months from a personal standpoint with the, the loss of his father and um, and the, tr I mean, tragic loss of his father, yeah. not just um, one of those situations where, you know, you have to deal with a, an illness or a prolonged, you know, something or the, I mean, no, a sudden and tragic thing like that's, that's trauma. That's difficult to deal with. You could tell this was a cathartic thing. How huge was that goal? How huge was that moment, Alex? Can you, I mean, are there even any words? Uh, I saw someone put it in the best way possible uh, that, like, I don't remember exactly how they worded it, but, like, something amazing just happened at the end of that West Brom game. Liverpool scored off a corner, 
Like, I think that's the most <laughs> ridiculous thing about it all is that, like, I, that makes it that much more unlikely that it was a corner <laughs> kick and we scored off of it. I just, I, I don't really, I don't, like, truly believe it happened. Like, I've watched the no. videos hundreds of times at this point, and it's just, like, what... Just what, like, yeah. how in this year of all years, and that might be why it happened, <laughs> of, like, all the stuff that has happened to our team, our club, the players on the field, off the field, for that to happen, and for it to be just such a good header. It I think that's the perfect. thing. <laughs> that was the best header I've ever seen in my life. Like, I think that was better than the Van Persie versus Spain World Cup flying header because it was just I, I think you might be right yeah it, like the the power the direction like it was completely unsavable and i just uh, i mean first of all i was having i was on a road trip with some friends and i was having to watch on the nbc app and it it crashed oh no at the corner kick oh no so i had to wait but I, and luckily i had notifications turned off because I, I looked later and y'all were freaking the heck out, obviously. Yeah. And then I booted it up again and saw it happen. And I was just like dumbfounded and then like just couldn't take my eyes off the screen because you, how could you? And then like it went into his interview and it went into everyone talking about it. And I was just like, it, it, like you said, all the stuff that had happened to him. Like, I, it was hard not to, like, I definitely got a lump in my throat and like, a little misty eyed. Cause it's like, that is just uh, uh, like, that's what this sport can do. And that's why yeah. so many people love it. And it's just one of those moments that's just like you, no one could have made that up because it is just too absurd to be a reality. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that is why we watch sports. Like we watch sports because of the magic that it, that can, it can bring about, you know, we don't always we and we well, actually we we quite honestly we very rarely get to see the the good narratives in sports you know it's why we love underdog stories and why I think like as as humans we make a lot of movies about underdogs that succeed because it just doesn't really happen like the team that mm -hmm. spends four hundred billion dollars um on their roster and coaching staff will most likely win the league that shocking right it's yeah. just shocking you don't all you rarely get a lester from several years back type of story that's why that was such a magic thing like to just ha catch like you know lightning in a bottle perfect situation and, and do that you know you, you we watch for those moments we watch so many people that don't even care about basketball watch march madness for the moments of when yeah. like some no-name team is going to rise up and you know hit a buzzer beater shot to you know, to, uh, you know, win a game. It's, you know, some kid named Bryce Drew from Valparaiso is going to catch a, like, full-court pass at the buzzer to hit a buzzer beater to beat the uh, the best Ole Miss team ever assembled. And I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. Um, you know, we watch for those things, and this is just one of those moments. Like, this is a moment that transcends sports. <laughs> this is a moment that transcends, I mean, so much significance. Um uh, on the pitch because of the significance off the pitch. This is something that everyone can get behind. A, a likable person who's gone through some terrible stuff being a hero for the most <laughs> unlikely of reasons. 
it's just beautiful. Like you can't say enough about it. You really can't. We should devote this entire episode to <laughs> yeah. it. Like if we're if we were smart, we would. Or if we didn't have a billion things to talk about, we would. But that was just amazing. Just amazing. Yeah, and it's one of those moments and it's kind of been like a uniform thing uh among the fan base that we've seen and like there's been so many reaction videos shared of of like the, a lot of the bigger podcasts and a lot of the bigger like Liverpool associated groups uh and it was just that moment that like the joy came back from the yeah. season like it yeah. it was fun again and it was built up a little bit uh, I know I'm guessing you might have felt the same way, but like seeing Mo just be so happy after scoring that fourth goal against United and then to have that happen the very next game, the Allison goal, it was just like, this is fun again. We are, yeah. you can see it wasn't just us like as fans, it was the players. They're enjoying it more and it's like everything is coming out and it was just great to see. And now it's like, we. We get and we get to watch a game that we haven't seen before. <laughs> like yeah. having watched the same game thirty-eight times throughout the season, we finally right. get to see some just insane <laughs> things that we hadn't seen. Just something different. Something different. No, that's a that's a phenomenal point. And you mentioned earlier how it's like, oh, of course, something like that crazy and unexpected and wild would happen this year of all years. And it kind of makes me feel like, I mean, just you kind of look at like the go- global climate of how everyone is kind of. St- starting to see a little bit of like a light at the end of the tunnel for the most part um, with the pandemic. Like it's, it's not done, but we're actually seeing progress now. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're seeing all of this. It kind of makes you realize also like this is the, the team right now. Yeah. Is it's fun again. And the team is starting to play well again. And it's almost like this, as things start to almost clear up a little bit more worldwide, things are clearing up more for Liverpool. Like they're going hand in hand and getting back to, um, uh, you, you would think a little bit more of, of what is good about this specific team, not like Liverpool in general, but this specific Liverpool squad, like what's good about them, what's fun about them. Like some of that's starting to return as well. The identity mm-hmm. is returning just a little bit as well, which is really cool so it's almost like those those things kind of go hand in hand like the world heals a little bit more we're starting to heal a little bit more as well um and we're starting to see performances out of like you know bobby firmino uh actually scoring goals (laughs) and creating more chances and like playing like the bobby that we have loved for for seasons now you know you're seeing um a little bit more productivity out of uh sadio mane who, by his own admission, is having the worst <laughs> professional uh, season that he's had. You know, that sort of thing is going on. Um, you're seeing uh, my dog who's in the room. So if you're watching this on YouTube, my dog is straight passed out on the couch. <laughs> like he was like, I'm not having any of this movie watching in the other room. I'm going to bed in this podcast room. Um, but you're starting to see just more of the, 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 the health, I guess an identity of this squad comeback, which is really cool to see as well um, as we kind of come towards the, the tail end of things. So with that, I mean, that's, we talked about a strong showing against United and a, a I mean, strong showing against a, a weak Burnley team, but still a very strong showing against them. Multiple goals, several matches in a row. Um, it's This is just, this is looking a little bit more like the Liverpool team of last season 
just a little more injured still. Um, what do you think is going right for the squad right now, Alex, to, to suddenly be able to ha- be in this position that is um, not like fully redeeming this year, but definitely, definitely making something out of absolutely nothing as far as the season has gone. What seems to be going right? Uh, I, I think it's a combination of things. It's seeing that we have kind of been able to grind out those results recently. I mean, the, the Allison goal totally undid the like just frustrating nerve wracking performance for the entirety of that match beforehand. Um, but the, I mean, the match against United was, uh, was progress from the Southampton match, which is progress mm-hmm. from the Villa match. And so we, it was just all, bu- it's all been building. It's all been getting more belief and we've all, uh, we've just been seeing the team get that, I guess a little bit of that mentality monster factor back and like, we're going to score. It's going to happen. You, and progress you, is something that we've talked a lot about. Like we have not at any point this season been able to build any sort of momentum. We actually kind of are right now. Yeah. I mean, over the past, what, seven games, we're like, we're the form team in the league, which is really weird to say. <laughs> it, uh, and it's, it hasn't been that way all year. It just, it, it's, I mean, we're, we've been so used to it, but it does feel weird again, like to look back and see how many successful results we've had in a row. Uh, and I mean, that's been, buoyed by other matches falling perfectly in line with where we needed them to mm-hmm. be like the Chester, uh, Chester, Leicester, Chelsea league match right after the FA cup. And I that, think that was the hashtag abbreviation. Actually, Welty. you know how they, you know, how they always do like the two teams like abbreviated together as a hashtag. I think it was Chester. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the Chester match was just was riveting. But it, it I mean, it, the result went our way. Any result where someone lost points is going to go away. But like of all the times for that match to happen, it happened right now when we're in the midst of what we're doing. That was extremely fortunate. And uh, on top of that, we're there's like you mentioned, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I think the team and the club and like you've heard Klopp mention it, you've heard a lot of the coaching staff mention it, and the players. The, they know the fans are going to be there for the Palace game, and they want yeah. that so badly. Like this, this team is so emotionally connected to having fans in the stadium that that is something that they've clearly been looking forward to, and they're playing for and ready to put on a show. And then just one more thing from like a performance standpoint, uh, we've had a little bit of consistency. It's not exactly ideal, but I mean we've had consistency with. Phillips and Williams playing together and they've they've seemingly got a better understanding of how each other play, how they should be playing, how they play with the fullbacks, immensely helped by having Fabinho in midfield. I mean, the mm. the difference is night and day. And when you put Fabinho in midfield, you get to unlock Thiago a little bit more. We've seen him be the player that everyone knew that he was and be world class. And he, there was a really good article today by uh Joel Rabinovitz, I think is how you say it. He writes for Liverpool sites and stuff, and he wrote about how Thiago and Trent have struck up a relationship. And that's something we've touched on a lot since Henderson's been out, is that what do we do with that right side, that right channel, Mm -hmm. uh, when Henderson's not there? But Thiago has definitely stepped in and filled that, and has just been absolutely bossing games. So uh, like uh, the intangible stuff that we've talked about so much is now being joint hand-in-hand with the stuff that we've been trying to figure out and how to get balance in this team with such a ragtag bunch of guys left around the uh the stuff that we had hoped to see at the beginning of this year 
like a, a continuation of a championship season. And I know we didn't end last season strongly, but it still was one of the more dominant seasons in Premier League history. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, there should have been something to continue off of that. Adding a, a ready-built player in Tiago, all that sort of stuff that was supposed to have happened early on and just because of everything that did happen to us got derailed. We're starting to see what what we hope to have seen at the start of the season right now, um, which is really cool. So it's like, it is it is the light at the end of the tunnel. It's also the like, ah, good. This is how, <laughs> this is why we made the moves that we made. You yeah. know, this is why we have kept Nat Phillips around. Um, and this is why we went after Tiago. You know, this is why we've been... Uh, you know, so uh, determined to keep um, Ox around and keep Ox healthy. What a goal. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, what a goal. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but this is why we do the things we do with this and why we have the squad we have is, is, you know, because of this right here. This is how the product was supposed to look like. It just was supposed to be a Virgil van Dyke and supposed <laughs> to be a Joe Gomez and supposed to be a Joel Matip, you know, that sort of thing. So... <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's really relieving to have that. Really relieving to have that um around as as well. Um and I do just want to say by the way, like when the when the crowd is fully there, it's going to be great. The crowd, well I got two things I want to say. The crowd <laughs> in the Burnley match <laughs> it was just it was honestly harder to watch that <laughs> match with like a couple thousand real fans than it was to watch it with canned audio repeating the same chant over and over again for 90 minutes. It was, it, I was tuning into it just going, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping that our little contingent of fans can do a little bit better. Um, I'm sure they will. They'll have more to cheer for, but at the same time, oh man, May, maybe at the very least, I hope the broadcast team can mix the audio just a little differently. Like, just, just adjust it a bit more. Uh, but that being said, when the fans come back in full force, like, they are absolutely going to love having a cult hero like Nat Phillips oh, yeah. around. Like, he has established himself not just as, like, a serviceable backup. Like, he's actually done well in several <laughs> matches. You know, man of the match in a couple of matches. Like, he's a genuinely good center back. Um... And to be a good center back that has come out of nowhere and plays this hard-nosed, kind of awkward, um, a lot of times just based entirely off of hard work and not a, based off of, like, good instincts type of, like, <laughs> success that he's having, that just is absolutely screams, like, Liverpool folk hero, you know? Like, yeah. it just does. This is – we're a glamorous club. We're a club with all kinds of history. But, like, our big names throughout the history have always kind of been these just, like, workhorse, uh, you know, curmudgeons. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Liverpool as a, as a city is a, you know, it's, it's, it's all about, like, the, the docks, the shipyards. It's, a, you know, a shipping city. It's a dock city. It's, it's a, you know, it's a water-based city. It's all, a, you know, working class, like hard-nosed. It's just so it's beautiful to see a guy like Nat Phillips have success at Liverpool. Because if Nat Phillips was doing this sort of performance, like for Arsenal, I don't think they care. Like he's not—he's not a London player. 
He's no, just not. That's he's a great a, way to put it. Yeah, he's not a London player. He absolutely is a Liverpool, the city player. And I just absolutely love that for him. So he's just been so much fun. He's yeah, been so much fun to watch. And I mean, we haven't even said it yet. He scored. Like, he it, scored. <laughs> I don't and know he what was. He scored a pretty decent header himself. <laughs> I don't know what was more unlikely Allison scoring a header or Nat Phillips scoring a header. But then they <laughs> both scored in back to back games. Like, yep. It just, just, what the heck is going on? Not only that, but Nat had a great chance at actually try, like scoring with his feet just a yeah. little bit earlier in that Burnley match and just couldn't get got too far under it, you know? Um, it's just, oh, I love it. So and he got the assist on the Jota back heel. Did he really? That was oh, his shot, I'm pretty sure, against United. Oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. That's so funny. But yeah, like I just love it. I'm going to be one of those guys that done so well in getting guys are like world-class Salas and Virgil van Dykes and you know the guys that like sing those songs I mean I can't hear wait to hear what <laughs> goofy song the fans <laughs> will sing for Nat Phillips you know obviously I hope we're not having to rely on him as much when the fans are back in full force but at the same time I don't feel nearly as bad like, give me a Virgil and Nat Phillips pairing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's just going to be chaos, and I'm yeah. here for it. No one will ever get the ball over a defense. Like, no. that would just be, uh, I don't know, like the like Wal Maria in Attack on Titan. I know that got <laughs> breached you know, like in the first episode, but I'm spoiler sorry. alert. I'm sorry Zach's not here to, to discuss that with you. I know he's the he's the other Attack on Titan guy, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah. I need to I need to watch it. I know I need to watch it. No one has to at me telling me that I need to watch it. I already know you're not telling me anything I'm not aware of. Hit us up at YNTA Podcast. Let Joseph know how badly he needs to watch Attack on Titan. Oh, uh, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Fans eventually coming back in full force, all of that sort of stuff. Um, I'm coming back as the king of Segway, man. Speaking <laughs> of fans, um, some of the biggest news that happened in the in the past weeks, since the past episode, has nothing to do with matters on the pitch. It has everything to do with what has happened um, outside of that. That being, of course, that the uh, the massive um, negative uh, outpouring <laughs> of, uh, of of fan reaction. Um, in uh to the 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 super league um has meant that uh liverpool owners fenway sports group have decided um you know that they do need to have um a fan board um that provides fan representation that helps make uh helps guide their decision making now there's no way of knowing how how seriously they will take the input of the fan board obviously they could completely ignore it in if they do, that will be the death of them as owners. They, yeah. they will be completely out if that's the case. And obviously, there's a lot more that needs to be done to right what mistakes they made. But this is at least one actually tangible step towards trying to make um, some sort of amends. So, Alex, your take on on this, you know, one right thing <laughs> to try to make up for several wrongs, but your take on this one one move right here. Uh, before I answer, I will say you've said full force twice, and it makes me think of the hashtag full force banner that was on display at Craven Cottage at every Fulham home game this season. 
So thank you. That was one of the only like good hashtags that any team put up in the in the stands in good. this weird season. So yeah. hashtag full force it is. And of course it would be at my ancestral home ground, yeah. Craven Cottage. <laughs> yeah. That's why you brought it up. I know exactly why you brought it up. It was that reason. Yeah. No, I definitely knew that that hashtag was a thing. <laughs> I definitely was aware of that. I know you're on Fulham Twitter a lot, so. Yeah, there is absolutely no reason to have paid attention to Fulham this season. Not at all. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's good to see that they actually paid attention and learned. I, this is a, an evidence of them actually learning and like realizing, oh mm-hmm. shoot everyone's really pissed at us. We should try to <laughs> make that less bad. We, we done messed up. Boys. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I think uh, as part of that as well, FSG said they were going to pay for all of the fines and the just yeah. any fees related to the Super League debacle, which it's weird that we're saying that like, oh, what a great thing for them to do because it's their own fault and they did it on purpose. But at least they're not taking money out of the club. So like yeah. it could have been worse. Yeah, and they're doing that part completely unprompted. Like, they didn't try to do something else and then go, hey, you know what, actually, we're going to do it. They went ahead and just said, hey, don't worry, like, y'all don't worry about it. We we messed up on that one. We'll take care of it. So that is good. There is some good reactions there. Uh, It's definitely a step in the right direction to get fan representation, and hopefully it's not just the Super League clubs that do it. I mean, uh, all Premier League clubs, hopefully, and as many clubs as possible throughout the pyramid be great. To handle because I mean, uh, there's still so many issues to resolve, and yeah. this is just the first step. Um, I mean, there's been so many issues with ticket prices, uh, home and away. There's been it's just uh, like making it a sport for everyone again, and I think this is exactly what needs to be done. I uh, mean, there's there's good basis of this off of uh, off of German fan ownership models that mm-hmm. have been off cited, and there's just a lot of terrible owners. I mean. It's what it's been. It's been a week since the guy who try, is trying to buy Darby County posted a picture of a TikTok uh, as his home, and someone identified <laughs> it from the TikTok. Yeah, and was like, "This is not your house." So I mean, it it, it a lot. I, th- I think it was the football ramble that touched on it. That like the ownership of a club naturally draws a bunch of terrible people because of what it takes to be an owner at this point for clubs of this size. And hopefully something like this will be a step towards making it full of less bad people. Right. And I'm not (laughs) going to say – And FSG are not bad people. They are certainly not the worst of the worst in terms of owners. And they don't have a lot of skeletons in their closet that others do. They're just strict businessmen, and that comes at the price of being idiots sometimes. And that's exactly what they've been. And they still have a lot of bridges to repair. But at least they did this. It shows, like I think, you know, I kind of said in the in the reaction to it, like, um, like when you make an apology for anything you do like that, you have to sh- you have to then take steps to to make things right. And and with them, they've needed for a little while to show that they are, have more of an understanding of the sport, um, and more of an understanding of like. The, the the culture surrounding the team, not just the culture of like building a winning team, but the culture that actually is involved in such a historic team um, in a historic uh, league. I mean, going beyond the Premier League, you know, in in all of English football, you know, they they've they've needed to educate themselves on that. Um, 
And so uh, this is at least a step to show, okay, like maybe they're serious about, or maybe they're seriously aware finally <laughs> of how little they actually understand. Um, Cause I mean, I can't, I can't ever fault them for being businessmen. Like they've made money doing business stuff for years. It's just kind of who they are. So like when they, when they try to make the club and make themselves richer, like I understand, but like, you have to, you can't be tone deaf in the process. And that yeah. was, <laughs> the Super League was such a tone deaf thing from so many. So it's good to see, you know, they weren't the first to drop out. Um, but I, I think, are they the first to, to make these sort of steps in getting more fan, fan representation or, or who else? I think been? Chelsea was the first. Um, and that, I mean, that's, that's good for them. Yeah. Don't like them as a club. They still got their own issues to work out. Yeah. They're not, well, they've got no history. But, yeah. First of all, foremost, <laughs> I don't even remember who they are. Uh, but <laughs> they, it, at least, some people are doing it, and I'm all in favor of that happening because yeah. it's things are continuing to get out of control. Um, and this summer could, I don't know, be a, a more evidence of that. And it will, it will be interesting to see uh, if like forgiveness can be bought <laughs> for for not just <laughs> right. for our club, but for a lot of other clubs. And yeah, it's just it's gonna be a fun time. But we'll we'll I, I'm excited to see how the fan representation group is, is enacted and how quickly it gets going. Yeah, like this is where I'm I'm real curious and and I'm really, you know, hoping that it is not just a show and they they do take um, the the fan suggestions they take the whole situation seriously enough to be able to say yeah okay like what can we actually learn and it's not just trying to appease fans but it is trying to learn from fans and that's why this is one of those things that it's like okay this is good this is a good step undeniably but it is not it is far from the finish line yeah like this is the starting point on what you have to do as owners it is line there's a lot of work done Hopefully this gets um, to know that they're serious. I'm looking at uh, Tottenham. Tottenham was the was the the, the club that uh, announced fan representation on their board. Um, I don't think it was Chelsea first. I think it was Tottenham according to this article I'm looking at. Uh, okay, um, got it. I think Chelsea is maybe they're trying. I definitely saw something yeah. related to them. Well, because they were the first, like yeah, they were the first ones to listen to their fans and back out of the Super League to begin with. Um, now, Grant's made maybe the biggest play yeah. um, out of uh, the fan bases at the time. But um, and then it's interesting because I'm also looking in the article on oh, award-winning <laughs> soccer website ESPN FC Pulitzer Prize um, winning Pulitzer Prize winning. Also says Manchester United's owners, the Glazer family, announced recently they would have a fans forum to hear supporters' views on the direction the club is taking. Trying to tie that in like it has something to do with having fan representation when that's just them <laughs> opening up a forum for fans to come in and go, "You suck and we hate you," like over and over and over. So not the same thing, guys. Yeah, and they're also not going to listen. No, absolutely <laughs> not. You talk about an ownership group that has uh, shown no interest. Yeah. In learning or listening. That's absolutely them. So, um, hey, we'll always be doing better than United in that regard. Yeah. Always something to take pride in. Suck it. Suck it. <laughs>
So uh, a good move far from the end of what uh, the, the owner should be doing, but a good move to start with. Now, an interesting move that we need to talk about here is the, uh, the release of next year's home kit. All right. Um, I believe they tried to say something about it being a, um, a, an homage, if you will. On Instagram, they tried to say it was an homage to uh, like the 70s when the club went with just a full red top for like the first time and it always had some sort of white involved on it and it was the first time they went full red on it. And I was like, then why in the world is is there orange on this thing? Yeah. And why is there a weird stripe? Uh, diagonal. Why are there a bunch of backslashes all over this kit? Like what, what HTTP backslash backslash like... URL or, or are we typing in here, guys? Like, what is up with this? It's not bad. Like, if we went on our rating scale of lit kit, meh kit, or uh, bleep kit, it would probably not be in the lowest section. It would not be a, a profane kit. Yeah. But it's it's in my opinion, it's it's pretty close. There's just not anything good about it. There's nothing inherently god-awful about it, but there's not really anything good about it in, like, my assessment. What, what's your take on, on this kit, Alex? Uh, they obviously snuck this in there before the fan voice was part of the board, <laughs> because I don't think any of the fans would have signed up for this. Uh, like you said, it's just, it's pretty meh. It's pretty plain. I don't, uh, I mean, the patterns, I don't mind. I'm used to weird patterns, like the the last Adidas kits we had were hilarious with like the texturing and the patterns they mm. had. So I'm kind of used to that. And with Nike, what they do, I mean, I'm okay with that. Our kit this year kind of has a weird pattern on it, but it not does, as extreme yeah. as this. Uh, what I hate the most is the like hot salmon accents yeah. that I guess are taken from our training kits from this season, but they just look so but stupid. Why? Like but they, why? the kits they're referencing have white trim and those look awesome. Those look like they do look old. They look like exactly of their time. Yeah. Uh, and that would have been awesome to have. It would have really felt like an homage, but I, this, this hot salmon is just gross. Like why, who is that for? Well, it doesn't look good. Those colors clash. They don't, yeah. they're, they just, they're not complimentary. I mean, the only nice part about it is kind of the like back of the neck, Thing, which isn't as weird as this year's back of the neck, <laughs> which was just the, the huge downside of the red kit. But I, I don't know. It's just, I, I mean, I'm hoping the, that the away kit that we saw is real because that will save this. And then I'm curious mm. to see what the third kit is. But not a fan, really, of this no. this new home kit. And it's mostly because of three things, the sleeves and the collar. Oh, both sleeves. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, with you on it. It's like this year's kit, the current one that has the slight, like, you know, blue collar, blue trim, all that. It had to grow on me a little bit, but I think what really worked out for it was that what it, it did the collar thing, which was a little bit different, but then it kept it like pretty simple across the mm -hmm. rest of it. You know, there's something about this particular kit that almost has like a training kit feel to yeah. it. I don't know why it is. And I don't know if it's just because like the we've all promotional shots and we haven't really seen the kit like fitted 
for the player to wear Stitch, you know? So we haven't really seen it like game-ready kit or something like that. But there's just something about it that just, it doesn't look like a, like a real kit. It looks, so I don't know, maybe it, it as like the, the body of the kit will look better to me once I actually see it like game-ready. But I just don't know if I'm going to be able to get past the weird salmon-y, orangey, whatever color, um, you know, and and that the combination of that with like the backslashes, I think is one of the major things that makes it look so much like a like a practice kit to me. So yeah, not, or, not, not enjoying it, or like a football manager, FIFA, Pez kind of mm. auto-generated non-actual team jersey. Right. We didn't, like we didn't get the licensing right, so yeah. this is what we've got. Yeah. And, and, I mean, one thing that it does have going for it um, that last year's kits did not, and I, it was, I'm specifically thinking about the Away kit, which mm. I did not like at first, and I realized it was only because of the promotional photo shoots they did for it with oh, okay. that made it look like streetwear. They were the worst photos I've ever seen. Everyone in the photo shoot looked doofy as hell. Like, I feel so bad for all of them for having that on their resume. It, they land, landed Donovan at the water fountain style. Yes. Uh, it's just dumb. And so please don't do that. They didn't do it for this one. Hopefully they don't do it for the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a pretty good little, like, hype video. But it's always interesting when you make a hype video for a kit reveal. And then, like, you don't reveal the kit for a little while. <laughs> like, here's a bunch of quick flashes of Virgil van Dyke in the kit. So you can kind of see it. But, like, we're not going to show you the actual kit and what it looks like quite yet. Because you're not ready. Yeah. And we're not sure how you're going to react to it. <laughs> Let us um, disable comments first. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So there's that makes it a little bit interesting. But uh, you're right. Now, I never liked the Away kit all that much simply because, uh, you know, I'm not a... a, a a Tottenham fan. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. The away kit was the the underwater, yeah, uh, kit. The third kit was the Tottenham kit. Um, yeah, I actually I, I came to like it a little. You know, I liked it as a kit. The problem is like it just feels so bizarre and strange trying to do a blue kit for Liverpool. Just in general, like that's always going to be a little bit odd, even if it is, um, you know, a fine kit. Uh, like the away kit was, it just is always going to be a little bit strange to me to be like, yeah, there's Liverpool wearing the blue, <laughs> you know, like stick with a uh, stick with Toxic Thunder, and you'll be good. <laughs> and you bring never, it back. Never can go wrong. That's the throwback they need to have. <laughs> if they don't have a th- a Toxic Thunder throwback, I'm gonna be so mad. Um. So yeah, so that's our reaction. Hey, what are your thoughts? Um, tweet at us at YNTA podcast to let us know what you think about um, the the kit so far and whether we're being a little too harsh on them. Uh, there's always the chance they grow on us, you know. There's always the chance, but it just it's been a little while, been a couple of seasons since we had like a kit reveal where we all instantly went, ah, yeah, yeah, you know. And that's that's just that's sad. I I just would like to have that again where it's like, oh. Yeah, this is it. I feel like we were kind of close with the uh, with the home kits from last season. Like when they first revealed, like it was like, oh, this is almost there. But there's something about the the Nike kits that just kind of look a bit like streetwear training kits when they're revealed. 
Um, and I don't, I guess it's just the material or something. Like it's weird. It's weird though. Yeah. And the patterns, I will say, I do like the Nike templates they've done with the collar and Mm -hmm. some of the stuff we've seen has a collar on it. So I'm excited to see that. Like, I really like the Atletico Madrid kit this year because of the way it just cut, like it's silhouette. So hoping we get something kind of like that. Oh, and the Roma kit, the third kit or away kit with the, the collar. That looks good. So come on, give us a collar. Yes, please. That's all we want is a collar. All right, stripes that go all the way up. Sorry, I had to, had to say that. <laughs> yeah, had to throw it in there. Just had to. Um, all right, so a couple of quick th- notes to end on um, here as as we kind of wrap things up on this episode. That we were able to, you know, get through a lot of topics at least in some regard in a smaller amount of time than we tend to take on our uh, on our. Uh, podcast episodes that are about absolutely nothing. <laughs> but we, uh, uh, it, it's, uh, we all know and, and respect, obviously, the, the immense talent and everything that, I mean, you can't even just say talent leadership. It's hard to sum up what Steven Gerrard means to Liverpool as a club. Um, you talk about like the legends of the club through the years, like we kind of were alluding to earlier. Um, he is, I mean, he is Liverpool. <laughs> um, uh, he just kind of is. And so to have him announced as one of the, the players that are going to be put into the, uh, the Premier League Hall of Fame um, is, it's just a great honor because, you know, there's, there's been some really good Premier League midfielders um, since the league was founded. Um, some really good ones. It's always great to see someone like him recognized, especially considering it. I I think that um, titles are a terrible way to judge an individual player mm-hmm. um, across all sports. I think it's, I think it's stupid to think that a player sucks because his, you know, team never won a title. Um, and so I'm really glad that that didn't really happen here and that he's being honored for how, you know, good he was as a player without anyone being like, well, he never won the Premier League. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, he only won in Europe, like, constantly. Oh, he, you know, he won everything else. So, uh, just a cool honor to see him, um, you know, being being put in this. Now, I don't really know if people are going to care all that much about the Premier, Premier League Hall of Fame, but it's cool that, that you know, his resume um, and his career speaks for itself on at least having this sort of honor. Um, just kind of you know, right off the bat. So really neat. Yeah. Congrats to him, especially after the season he's had as a manager, just a a great way to round off the season. You still think, uh, I know a lot of people are, are, I I say you still think as if you've ever stated this, but I know a lot of people are like, whenever Jurgen Klopp does step away, like it's gotta be Stevie G as manager. Now that he's actually like won it with Rangers out there, I'm like, well, shoot! Now it's not just like oh, bring back the local hero. It's like now he's actually getting some good, yeah. <laughs> doing some good things as a manager. This yeah. actually seems like it could potentially work, um, you know, down the line. So uh, it's pretty interesting. But yeah, a huge honor um, for him in general. Now, Alex, this is completely not Liverpool related at all. But I feel like we can't let a recording opportunity go by 
without just basking in the glory of River Plate. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> it, you talk about the weird things that we've seen in the past couple of weeks with Liverpool. How about the weirdest thing, probably the coolest thing I've heard in this entire season across every league around the world, a team that is missing almost everyone and is having to start a center back. No, I'm sorry, sorry. Uh, a midfielder, right? Yeah, center mid. Center mid and goal. It's up winning in the Copa Libertadores. I can't even speak. I'm so worked up and excited about it. Libertadores. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Have you ever seen anything like that? No, not at all. Not that, that like that could never happen. No, like there was there would be no uh, unless it's like a super tragic reason, and that would be they wouldn't play the game otherwise. Right. But like, there's no way that that many people are missing. And that uh, a center mid who has played in Champions Leagues, in La Liga title races, in the World Cup in midfield is having to play in goal for one of the biggest sides in South America in the yep. equivalent of the Champions League. Like, yep. I, just, I just, I can't, I, it's probably still more likely than Allison's goal, but it's like <laughs> just right up there in terms of things that are unlikely. <laughs> It just it, it makes no sense. Um, were you the one that sent the the article to the the group text about yeah. it? Yeah, like I was dying laughing <laughs> reading about it. Not because like there's anything actually funny about the entire situation, but just because like how like out of everything that we've seen with with Allison's goal, with Nat Phillips's goal, with uh having this year that we've had where we've talked so much about, about, you know, how much, Oh, this sucks. Um, it's, you know, everyone's hurt all the time. Everything's just miserable. It's difficult to watch this team and they'll look up and be like, Oh, wait a second. <laughs> we can still end up top four. <laughs> Even after all of that, to then read this story about this situation. I mean, they, they literally only had what? 11 players available. Yeah, I think th they had the like the legal minimum to be able to play. Just unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, they had no yeah. substitute. <laughs> no bench. Yeah, they had eleven players available, so they had to put in eleven people, none of which were a keeper, <laughs> and ended up pulling off a victory. Just unreal. I just love it. That again, that's another one of those magic moments that you just love to see about sports. Like people are going to be talking about that particular match for years in all of South America, I feel like. It's just I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah, and like especially their fan base. Like for a club with so much history and like just to be just that huge of a club in an entire continent and across the world really like everyone's yeah. heard of River Plate. They apparently play in the Premier League. Uh, from Southampton, that's who we played based on their kits. But I mean, just that to have like that is a standout moment in a club with a history of that magnitude. So like yep. that's just incredible to see. Yep, it really is, really is unbelievable. All right, I love to see it. I love to see it. But we can't talk about other clubs for very long. We do actually have a a focus here on the podcast, and that focus is, of course, the fact we have one more match to play. Liverpool has one more match and if 
naturally it has to be about against stupid Crystal Palace. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. So coming up on the 23rd, 10 a.m., the finale against Palace. Let me ask you this first and foremost, Alex, before we talk about this specific match. At this point in time, top four odds? Like, what, what would you... What would you think we've, we've, we're looking at here in terms of our ability to actually land and finish in that top four? It's got to be like 80%. I think I've seen those like uh, index calculators of like which teams are most likely to finish in what position. And at this point, and it was even before the Leicester, or it was right, it was before we played Burnley, but right after the Leicester Chelsea match, it okay. was like 77%. And we won, so it's probably gone up. So maybe it's a little over 80. Because all we have to do is match Leicester's result. Yeah. And I think we can do that given who we're playing uh, and their injuries. But that said, having good players out means that some rando academy kid is going to step in and be Messi and Pele and Maradona <laughs> rolled into one. So I don't know. But it, it, all things are going our way, uh, which is a weird thing to say about this season. I was shocked that Burnley's 15th yeah. choice keeper didn't have like the absolute game of his career, you know, just all of a sudden turned into the the best keeper in the world. But maybe maybe that that streak of of terrible keeper luck that we've had is is starting to run out, maybe. Please. I guess we'll have to find out. Please. That's the one thing I would love. That's the one demon I would love to see get exercised from the club. As soon as possible is that stupid, uh, stupid happenstance, you know? We love it. So, all right, Palace themselves, um, obviously, we're talking about a, a team that um, probably underachieved this season um, from what they probably could or should be doing. And uh, you got to think there's a little bit of, of unrest, maybe, um, with with all of that, but a bit of an underachieving, um, not quite able to really break into that top half of the, the Premier League, not really able to um, compete as well as they wanted to with, with a lot of the clubs, ending up with 17 losses to only 12 wins on the year. And anytime you've got that, you know, obvious uh, negative mark against you, it just really stands out. So a frustrating or frustrated uh, season for them in general. But they're always a team that seems to give us massive headaches, especially <laughs> going into the final match of the season. It's just one of those things that happens. So uh, what are we looking at with Crystal Palace um, coming up here at this uh, very end, this, this wrap-up moment here for us? What are we looking at with them? They have absolutely nothing to play for, but that usually means that they're going to do something stupid. Uh, they always do. Uh, they also are like out there playing for Eberichi Eze, who is like a popular figure in the team yeah. and has a bad injury. They showed solidarity with him. It's Roy Hodgson's last match, so of course they're going to be fighting for Roy the boy. Right. Um, then trying to like get him revenge against us for. Probably they probably were like, oh, they they kicked him out when he didn't deserve it, but he absolutely did. Yeah. Uh, and and just the, they also lost to us seven nil the first last time we played them, so they're probably going to want to try to do something about that in some way. So I, I don't expect this to be an easy match. It's going to be tense. I'm going to hate pretty much every minute of it until we get like a three goal lead if we can. I already hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The 
you know, I, I question always whenever you get to this point in the season and things are kind of a little bit set or just about set, even though we have a decent amount riding on being able to, um, you know, land that top four spot. <clears throat> I always wonder a little bit about motivations um, from different clubs. Like, like you just pointed out, like Palace has a few things going on. Um, you know, Palace has uh, some like, let's just try to end on one high note, you know, storylines uh, going on here. And you got to wonder how much that might affect our motivations. Like, we, we are obviously motivated to try to end in top four. We're also super motivated to keep momentum going. We're just now getting momentum for the first time all year. We want to keep it going. So which of those two teams are going to be able to actually, at the end of the season, at the end of a long, exhausting season, have the motivation to go head-to-head and, and merge victorious? And it really kind of feels like, at this point, Liverpool is inevitable. <laughs> like, we're going to get top four. And we're probably going to, like, beat you in a completely illogical way that that should not make any sense um, because that's what we've been doing lately. But you don't want to take anything for granted. So I mean, what do you, what do you think are your are our odds of being able to? I don't know why I said that so weird. Are our odds <laughs> of being able to? It's part of the Libertadores. The Copa Libertadores. Um, I'm very eloquent tonight. You should not have allowed me on this podcast. Um, but uh, what do you think are the chances here um, for us to em- emerge with a victory? Uh, it's This is going to sound like it doesn't make any sense, but I feel like you'll know exactly what I mean. This is the best time of the season to be ending the season for us <laughs> right now. Like This is exactly where we want to be in terms of performance to be playing our last game. Uh, to qualify for the Champions League, like it couldn't yep. have, weirdly, could not have come at a better time. Uh, so I, I'm optimistic, but also cautious because I've seen this season. I know how it works. Yeah, <laughs> cautiousistic, uh, and and we're just ready to be like white knuckling my own hands, right? Just in just terror and stress, and then I'm going to be ready to throw stuff when we score and when we win because I'm expecting a win but I'm also just expecting to be sweating a lot. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm expecting to look back on this and and be like, how in the world did we pull this off? Like, how in the world, out of everything that has happened, were we able to actually get a fourth, you know, a top four finish? It just doesn't make much sense. So uh, I'm excited about it. I think Will had said in a group text that it landing a, a top four finish after the way this season is done, might honestly be more impressive than winning the league last season. Um, and it's a good observation because, like, quite honestly, we just were a dominant team last year. And so it was like, oh, yeah, the, the title's going to be ours. There's no question. We're just that good. There, to rise above everything that's gone wrong this year and emerge with some semblance of, like, oh, this is actual, like, success. What? This is... It's amazing. So it would be amazing to see if, if that can happen. And there will actually be like some justified celebrations um, if the team is able to to finish out strong like we think that they should. Yeah. But we'll find out. We'll find out. And then, of course, once we find out what happens there, 
we'll go on to to do our you know end of the season recap episodes, move into the keep or sell uh, podcast uh, special event <laughs> <laughs> that we always love so much. Special crossover event between us and the other members of this podcast yeah. that don't ever show up for recording sessions anymore. Um, so it'll be a good time. Um, but you're absolutely right. This is also this is it's the right time for us to be ending the season yeah. as well because I think we're all just tired, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. Yes. Just exhausted. So it has been um, quite a journey this season, to say the least. And we do appreciate all of you that have tuned in and listened, um, have chimed in with uh, with comments or, or, or replies or tweets or whatever throughout the season as well. It hadn't been easy for anyone to deal with, that's for sure, on a global scale. Nothing has been easy for the past, um, shoot, let's go back 14 months to when <laughs> last season was suspended, right? Like, nothing's been easy for anyone, um, but we've, we've reached this particular point. And in, in the past 14 months, we've been able to win the league for the first time in 30 years. <laughs> We've been able to overcome what should have been the worst season we had in a decade um, to possibly end in, in the top four, maybe. Like, we, we're still hoping, you know. But, like, just to be able to even be in this position is unbelievable. So it's, it's crazy to see where what we come through and where we are hopefully going. Um, as we move out of this season and into the next one, hopefully momentum carries us through. So that is going to wrap things up for this episode of You'll Never Talk Alone. Alex, thank you, sir. Any closing thoughts? No. Good. This is YNTA. It's where we would normally throw it over for that bad gag. We're just going to skip it tonight. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on You'll Never Talk Alone.